Good morning. morning. Oh, that was nice. Um, I'm Becky Josberger. Some of you know me already. This is my second time up here on a Sunday morning. It still feels really new. Um, (laughs) And we've been worshiping here for about seven months now. I think my daughter is who you probably know better than me. She's the one who looks very much like me, tall, thin, thinner than I am, (laughs) leads worship many, many Sundays. I don't think she's here today, so I can talk about her as much as I want. Um, One of the uh, things that she has shared with me over time, this wasn't how I planned to open, but I just can't not say this. She gets to work really closely with Phil, and um, she has told me over and over again, I mean, I can see his obvious gifts. Sorry, Phil, you did not ask for this, (laughs) but wherever you are, two thumbs up. We can see his obvious gifts, but sometimes some of the gifts are hidden. And um, this is the second time I have been up here, and the second time that without conversation ahead of time, the Holy Spirit has moved so profoundly, even in simple things like song choice. And when we were singing today, and we were singing that open up my eyes in wonder, I thought, did he read my notes? (laughs) Does he know? Because that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about just waiting and pausing in wonder at the amazing things that God has done. And we're going to use, well, we're going to look at Proverbs 8 to do that. We've been in a series as a church on Proverbs for a little while. Um, Tim and I think Adam have both preached on Proverbs. And Proverbs is really deeply loved in the church, especially one of those biblical Old Testament books that we feel like we can kind of put our hands on and understand a little bit because it's so practical. My dad has read a chapter of Proverbs every day of the month. It just so happens that Proverbs has 31 chapters and many months have 31 days. So every morning he reads whatever day of the month the calendar says in Proverbs. And he's done that since I was a little bitty girl. And it's, it's kind of fun because there's all these little nuggets. I think it's even more fun for us in our culture because we understand those little axioms of truth. I mean, we don't understand all of them. Uh, how do you answer a fool according to his folly, but not answer a fool according to his folly? You know, we read these ones that seem to contradict and things. I don't think we... we, we, we We sometimes struggle with some of them, but by and large, it's like a giant meme, and we're a giant meme culture. We like those pithy, catchy, loaded statements, and Proverbs is full of those, especially from chapters 12 to 31, so we tend to do really well with the book. Today, we're going to look at chapter 8, which feels very different than the rest of the Proverbs. Um... Last time I was up here, I forgot to read the passage to like the very, very end. So we're going to start there. I'm not going to read the entire chapter because it's a little long. So I have excerpted out verses and they'll be up there just to give us a feel for what's going on in this chapter. Let me tell you right now that chapters one through nine are the introduction to get you excited about chapter 10 through 31. So this is the, hey, those cool little memes are coming up chapter, okay? I'm gonna start by reading. I'll I'll wait till the verses are up there. 
Um, if you have Bibles, open to Proverbs. If not, I'll read it to you. If you have a Bible and you prefer me to read it to you, then just relax, okay? Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city at the entrance, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple gain prudence. You who are foolish gain understanding. Beautiful stuff follows, but I'm going to skip to verse 15. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Let's jump down to verse 27. I was there when he, he's referring to God, set the heavens in place. He tells us, I was there at creation. I'm the very first thing God made. When he marked out the horizons on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, always rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. The chapter doesn't quite end there. It just promises life after that. So I thought, nah, who needs that? Now, I told you before that people love Proverbs typically in the church. It's an easy one for us to go to because we can pull it out and apply it right away and it feels decent. We, like I said, we sometimes get confused, but this chapter has been different for me. It's been different for me my whole life because I feel like it's something beautiful. Like it was beautiful, right? Yeah, I love, my favorite image in the whole thing is something about he creates the waters, but he creates the boundaries for them too, so the waters don't overstep. Like, hey, the tide comes in, but it only comes in so far. That is a great idea. Just saying. Really glad he did that. But other than, I feel like, I feel like this passage is beautiful, but I'm not sure why. Or... I feel like, yay, but I don't know what to do with this. And that's why I loved the song we sang, Open Up My Eyes in Wonder. Because I think sometimes, as a church, we are so focused on what we're supposed to do, because we love God so much, we wanna do the right thing, that we've forgotten the joy of just being in awe. And this chapter, he's saying 10 through 31 are coming. There's going to be plenty to do. <laughs> so settle down 
and be in awe. Because if you're not in awe of this, I'll unpack this for the next 20 minutes or so. If you're not in awe of this, how are you going to want to do it? Because some of it's hard. And so that's what this chapter is trying to get us to feel. So let's go back and look at how the chapter is doing that for us, okay? So the first passages that we're going to concentrate on, they're going to, wow, you guys are good. They're up there. Verses one through five, I'm going to read them again. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances she cries out, To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple gain prudence. You who are foolish gain understanding. Now when I teach my students how to understand and read the Old Testament, there's actually three pretty simple steps. The first one is what does the text say? Well, this text is giving us an image of wisdom and wisdom is standing on a road. So apparently it has a body, right? So we've got this picture. It happens to be a female body because in Hebrew, all abstract nouns, sorry, people don't like grammar in America. This is a concrete noun, it's a bottle. This is a concrete noun, this is a Thank you, podium. <laughs> this is a book, a Bible. Those are concrete nouns. Abstract nouns are the ones you can't just touch, like hope and love and wisdom and wickedness. <laughs> so the girls don't get all the good things. But these are all female in gender, grammatically. So they make her, they make Lady Wisdom a woman. And she's standing on the roadway, she's standing at the entrances, she's standing at the crossroads. The reason the image is expressed that way is because they don't have telephones. You can't just text your neighbor the news. You've gotta be where the people are. If you want the news to get out around your town, if you wanna meet up with someone, when I was a kid it was the mall. You go to the mall and that's where you find your friends on a Friday night. I know, it's true. <laughs> now, it's the crossroads. Or back then, sorry, back then. It's at the crossroads, it's at the city gate. So what is he saying? Wisdom is standing in the city at the most obvious places where he can reach the most a number of, the highest, greatest number of people. Why, second question, why is it saying that way? Because it's not hidden, it's available. It's sort of like it's pursuing you. It's right there. Wisdom's right there. It's... This is where I have to stick to my notes because I wrote, it's available. Got it? Got it, okay. It's right there. Now, that's really encouraging and it's meant to encourage, but some people are sitting there going, okay, that's cool, it's available. Then why is it so hard to find? Why is it so hard to do? Why does it take a lifetime to learn it? And why do we have to learn it? By making so many mistakes. So in our minds, it feels like the text rings almost empty. Am I right? Like, it's there for you, but I don't know how to grab it. I'll give you an example in my own life. 
Um, I have one sibling, a sister that's two years younger than me. We have always struggled. I love her dearly, but it is not an easy relationship. And for the past five years, she's been completely cut off from me. And I have been trying to figure out how, well, first I was trying to figure out, do I want to reconnect? I'll be honest. And now I'm trying to figure out how then do I reconnect? How do I reconcile? What's the wisdom? Is it wise to send her a card and let her know, hey, my heart has softened towards you. I, I really miss you. Or will that be intruding? Is it better just to give her her space? And these complicated things in life take wisdom. And I don't know the answer yet. The good news is I know a lot of unwise things not to do, so I'm not making it worse, but that's as far as I've come, because life is complicated. The author knows that. You shouldn't feel cheated by these first five verses because it feels like it's the opposite of what you've experienced. The author is telling you that it's available and worth the pursuit because he knows it's hard and complicated. We were, um, my daughter, my second born, Amanda, you probably don't know her as well, but she's just a hoot. She is a raft guide right now, a white water raft guide, like the second largest commercial waterfall in the world just opened up on the White Salmon River, and she, all five foot three of her, guides people down it daily. And every night, she calls me to let me know she's still alive <laughs> with everyone in the boat. Um, so we went with her. That was a side note, sorry. We went with her and, this past week, and um, it was a blast. And part of the trip, they stop, and they let everybody up, if, who wants to, go up to this little cliff. I don't know how high it is. I'm terrible with heights. 15 feet? I don't know and jump into the water. And my 11-year-old son, who is terrified of heights, went up to jump. Now, when we were telling him, you can do it, the parallel here is, it's available, why were we encouraging him? Feedback, I'm a teacher. Why? Because it's hard. And so that's what the author's doing here. He's saying, yes, he did jump, by the way. I was so proud. Anyway, he's saying, yes, I already know it's complicated. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I'm not tricking you. I'm telling you, you can do this. It's worth the pursuit. All right? Now, I'm gonna go to the, we're going to go to the next slide, and I'm going to jump down to verse 15. But before we read through this, I want you to count one, two, three lines down. I th love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me. That availability piece is going to weave its way all the way through. If, if, if you can find it, then, then go try. It's an urging, okay? Now in this section, we're going to get to the awe part, all right? We're going to start the awe part. Let me read it. By me, kings reign... And rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern, and all nobles who rule on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. 
What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Now, we live in a culture where we revere the word of God so highly that we hold it up really high, which is good, but we don't always allow it to have nuance. And so sometimes we look at this and we're like, what are we supposed to get out of this? I mean, it's cool, right? There's something cool. Princes, kings, wealth, something cool. What the author has done, and remember, we know from the beginning of the book that this author is a very well-established and successful man, a king, speaking to his son and trying to ensure that his son has the same benefits in life that he does. And so what he's trying to do is say, hey, there's this one thing that is of value, deeper value than anything you now know, okay? And so he's painting a picture. He's painting kind of a lofty picture. I'm gonna paint a really basic picture to try and help you and me understand this better, okay? So when I was a little girl, we lived with my grandparents because my grandpa was sick. Um, he was sick for years, bedridden for years. So our only interaction with him was really when he was in bed. So he came up with clever and creative ways to wow us. One of those ways, and this was one of my favorite ways, he would call us into his room with a present for us. And we were like, yay! My sister was probably, I don't know, three? I might have been five? Somewhere in that range. And he would hold out gifts, and he would have things in his hand, and he would say, you can have these gifts. And what he would have in his hand was three shiny quarters and one crumpled dollar bill. And he would, mm -hmm. I loved this game because I was the older sister. And so he would let my younger sister pick first. You can guess which one she picked. I'm three is more than one, shiny is better than paper. This one's heavier than this one. Yay! And she walked out of the room thrilled. Look, <laughs> Grandpa gave me a present. And I'm like, yes, give me the dollar. That's the picture that he's painting here. Whatever, if we think that the gold and the silver and the power and the riches are all that there is, we're missing something of far greater value. And that's what he's telling his son here. here there's something cooler than that, far greater. And we know from the context of the passage that that thing is wisdom. If gold and power and prestige are the highest values you can see, this author, this father, is speaking to his child and screaming that there is something more. Something we're not measuring right. We're not measuring value correctly. Now, as I was getting ready and preparing this, I thought <laughs> one of my favorite parts of being able to teach this to this audience, and I'm sort of starting to get to know you. I even know some of your names, so yay, thank you. Keep introducing yourselves to me. But one of my favorite things about teaching this lesson to this particular audience is 
that some of you, and I'm going to do this thing I hate that people do, break you down into generations. Some of you are millennials and zeers. I know this because they train me every year because I teach college. So I got this. One of my favorite things about millennials and zeers is they know there is a higher value. I love watching them make decisions. I love watching them say, yeah, this could be a great job, but I wouldn't get to see my husband. That stinks. Yay. Millennials and Zers, you are awesome at this. The rest of you, we'll just call you non-millennials and Zers. You've lived long enough to have figured this one out too. So good job. I love that I'm preaching to the choir on this one. We know there's something greater. There's something of more value. But that's what the author is trying to instill in us right now. Not only is it worth pursuing, there's something deeper. And then he goes a step further by defining what that deeper thing is. The thing you should be pursuing is wisdom. Wisdom is the, the conscious awareness of making right decisions that will benefit others and yourself. Pursue that. And the neat thing about wisdom is it has a starting point. I'm going to finish the line, and you guys see if you can mentally fill it in. If you're brave enough, verbally fill it in, but I'll fill it in for you. Blank is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this is all tied into walking with God. And that's where this next section's gonna go. The, the, the point that I want you to see in this next section, there are so many. Narrowing it down today was, or for today's talk was brutal. There are so many things. But I honestly think that the heartbeat of the next section is not only is there something worth pursuing, and there's something more valuable than what we naturally value. But that thing is good. It's, it's good because it's of God, but it's good because it benefits us. It's good for us. There are some things we are supposed to value that aren't fun. Wisdom sometimes not fun, I get that. But remember the ancient Near Eastern world. There are many, many gods and goddesses, and they're supposed to walk in a way that placates the gods and the goddesses, but those gods and goddesses are not always good for them. Thanks to Percy Jackson and all of these other Marvel series and all of these other comics nowadays, we, we've been able to visualize with our minds the pictures of of other gods and goddesses that are not happy with humanity. That was the entire culture at the time. And what God is saying here is, no, this is actually to your benefit. And I want you to pick up on those pieces. So let's go ahead and read this section again. I was there when he set the heavens in place. A few verses back, one of the verses I didn't pick, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. I'm the beginning of what God made. When he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the foundation of the deep, he's kind of saying, not only was I there, 
but I'm sort of woven into the fabric of this. He doesn't just say I was created first, but almost like I was involved in it. See the wisdom? This is the line I told you I love. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. What I want you to see with this piece that I think is the most important piece for the author is that it's not just the first of creation and it's not just involved in creation. Those are really important pieces to extend that wow factor. Remember, we're just going to sit in awe of this today. It's not just that it's woven into the creation of the world, but it delights in the creation of the world. This picture, this last verse uh, of this section right up here, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. The picture, a picture that you should get of this um, you know when like, hey, let's say dad's putting up a Christmas tree and the little kids are all around and they are not big enough to put up the Christmas tree yet, but they're so excited about the Christmas tree. Can you see it? And they're all like, oh, it's my husband's least favorite day of the year. <laughs> He's the most casual, laid back guy and I'm a control freak. No, over an inch, over an inch. And the kids are so elated and he can't handle that much enthusiasm. That's just my husband. But wisdom is that kid. Just, wow, look what God did. When God is saying, remember in chapter one, I created this, and it was very good. Wisdom's like, yes, it is, it is, it is, it's awesome. And when he's creating man, he's delighting in mankind. Wisdom's like, yes, this is great. It's beautiful because we're supposed to be seeing the animation in this. We're supposed to be seeing not just the awe and majesty of this thing that we call wisdom, but the personification of it. The piece where it's excited, not just to have been made, but about the fact that we are made. That's cool. We're supposed to want this thing, and this thing delights in us. It will come about for our our good. I kind of can't help but see those passages about God creating the foundations of the world and the sea and stuff, and then I read my little Christmas tree image backwards into that, and I just picture the family tradition that probably every family has, but I'm going to believe it's unique to ours, where every year a different kid gets to put the little star on top or the angel on top, and the dad's lifting them up, and the kid's like, look, I finished the tree! You know, meanwhile, mom's behind there making sure it doesn't fall over, and yeah. But that's, that's wisdom for us. If the author has succeeded in painting this picture so that you're able to see that the passage is beautiful because it's describing something that's worthy of pursuit, it's available. We can do this in stages, but we can get this something of far greater value than what we naturally uh, value. And that it's not only a great value, but it's good. 
it's good for you, it delights in you, then you hopefully, you're, you're experiencing that thing you're supposed to experience, the awe. But if I were to end here without reading the next verses, we would all feel a little stuck, right? I mean, I do. Yay, it's awesome. What do I do? Well, in this passage, it at least tells us, go ahead, read chapters 10 through 31 and go through life and figure those out. So there is something to do, but the passage itself is going to tell you what to do. Look at 32 to 34. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. I think, I know my inclination, I think our inclination is to look up that and go, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Listen, keep, listen, be wise. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> Those are things that take a long time. Don't see that as the thing you're supposed to do. See this next section. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my door, waiting at my doorway. I have a dog that my children are jealous of because I love this dog like no one's business. And one of the reasons I love this dog is my car pulls in the driveway and that dog will do anything to get to me. My kids will like go ahead of it and like have a treat. Like, is there anything I can do to get you to stop at me and not run to mom? Nope. Because <laughs> it's my dog. Long for that. Let me just tell you that wanting wisdom, valuing wisdom, is wisdom. You can start there. I'm going to give you one more illustration and then finish this up. You need to understand that in the Christian walk and in the walk with wisdom and in the walk with God, we do want life transformation, but that's God's job. He does that in us. The part we can give is the desiring part, and it counts for something. I don't know on what scale and how and where, but it counts. So when my husband and I had only been married for a couple of years, he came across the Love Languages book by Gary Smalley. Some of you will know it, some of you don't. But basically it says, everybody, there's like five main ways, I don't know if it's really five, but that you feel loved. And you can take this little quiz, there's, I don't know, seven sections, and it lists different activities, and you number them one to five, one to seven, whatever. And one of them will be like, take a picnic. Or one of them will be like, bring me a present. The other one will be a nice hug after a long day at work. And you look at all of these in this section and you number which one means the most to you. And it's supposed to help you identify how you feel love. So after we had taken this quiz, a number of weeks later, I found my husband's copy of the quiz. And I'm like, oh, I can be a great wife. So I open it up and I decide every day I'm going to do a number one. Whatever he marked in each list as the top priority, I'm going to do it. So I spent a week doing all these crazy things, picking him up a candy bar on my way home from work one day, and the next day planning a picnic lunch and going out with him, and on and on and on, very intentionally. And he said, zip. Sorry. Nothing. Didn't care a lick. I'm like, okay, forget this trying hard to love you well. 
thing. So I don't contain things very well, so I sat him down and said, you know what, let me just ask you if you felt honored this week. The question came to him out of nowhere. So I explained what I had done, and he's like, honey, you took the same quiz. You remember that you give five points to the thing you like, and... (laughs) You all seem to have gotten it faster than I did. But one point to the thing that doesn't really matter to you at all. But to him, that week, from then and forever, now had meaning. So I did five things he didn't even like. A picnic, it was our last picnic (laughs) ever. (laughs) Neither of us are really into them. But the intent of my heart, that we were in relationship and I was waiting at the door for him. That's, that's the way I show love language. My poor husband comes in the house and I'm like, I'm gonna drop my phone and my coffee and I don't care, here I am, yay, you're home. <laughs> the intent of my heart matters. When we are walking with wisdom, it's okay if we're at the spot where we think we're just moving from three shining quarters to one dollar. That's fine. He says, just, just, just want to invest in figuring those things out in life. It's enough to be on the journey. It's enough to stand in awe of this thing that has more value than what we normally value and, and walk with God and with others in it. Isn't God amazing? We're gonna shift really quick, well, we're gonna shift to communion now as a time of just celebrating the relationship pieces that we tend to miss. Well, okay, maybe you guys don't. I miss them when I'm trying to have my life transformed. My life was transformed when I made all those mistakes with Jim. I now know his love languages. And I haven't repeated the stupid picnic mistake. And it's the relationship that we're celebrating when we take communion that allows for it to not just be about the transformation and the deeds and the change, but the journey of growing and just wanting to be more like him.